0: Pray for them. Well, I was able to sneak away for a couple of days to go down to uh, Hillsboro Family Camp a couple of weeks ago. We went on Wednesday and on Thursday, and they always have some really good messages there. And so there was uh, one preacher, Jason Cole. I'm starting to really appreciate him and his stand that he has on the Word of God. And he mentioned in his one of his sermons on Wednesday or Thursday, can't remember which. But he made this statement that kind of struck me. And I really had to sit and think about it for a while. But he made this statement, something to this effect. He said, the church doesn't have a commitment problem. The church doesn't have a sin problem. The church doesn't have any kind of an issue that you can think of. The problem that the church has is a holiness problem. Now, I had to think for a while, a week or two on that. The church has a holiness problem, and I agree with him, because if we get the holy part right, then the commitment and the sin and whatever else that falls down the line will be taken care of, and so we are going to look the next two or three weeks at least about what it means to be holy. Uh, God says that he is holy, and so can we ever achieve that level of holiness that God has? And so there's questions that popped up. What is holiness? What makes God holy? Am I going to be holy? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because we're going to take a look at that today and for the next couple of weeks to see what we can learn about being holy. And so first of all, what is holiness? Well, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 16, this is actually a quote taken from the Old Testament where it says, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Several times in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, God makes this statement. God says, be holy, for I am holy. But what does it mean to be holy? God, our Father, wants us to be exactly like him, And I can remember as a kid that I wanted to be like my dad. I would put on his big size 8 shoes. They weren't big now. I wear a 10 or 11. But dad had a size 8 shoe. And I thought those things were huge when I was 2 or 3 years old. And I would put dad's shoes on and try to walk through the house with these big uh, pair of shoes. But I wanted to be just like my dad. And that's the way we ought to be spiritually. We want or we should want to be just like our dad. We should want to be just like God. And so several times in scripture, at least six or eight different times in the Bible, God makes this statement, be holy because I am holy. I want you to be like me. And so holiness defined simply means this. It is a separation to God and the conduct befitting those so separated. Now, if you want it in modern-day English, Brent's version, I would put it this way. It means to live a life according to the moral precepts of the Bible. If I want to be holy, if I want to be set apart, to be able to worship my Heavenly Father, I must be able and I must be willing to live to the standards of God's Word, the Holy Scriptures. Now that sounds pretty easy to do, doesn't it? But when you think for a moment about God, and we'll be talking about this today as well as in future weeks, when you think about God, God does not like sin. God hates sin. Sin separates us from God. God does not like anything that's dark. God does not like anything that's evil. God can't stand it. God can't look at it. And so the question becomes in, how can I ever attain that? If God wants me to be like him, how do I get to the point to where I can't stand evil? How do I get to the point to where I cannot uh, stand sin? And so that's really what holiness is. Now holiness means to be separated for the purpose of serving God. And so there's some scriptures I'd like to look this morning to get us started. We read 1 Peter chapter 1 and 16, but let's go back to verse 14 and we'll kind of pick up a couple verses before this. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14. Let's go back to verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he called you is holy you also be holy in all of your conduct. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And so Peter tells us here in verse number 14 that if we want to be holy, if we want to be what God wants us to be, the first thing that we need to do is to be obedient children. And so God wants us to do what he asks us to do. He goes on to say there in verse 14, we can be obedient children by no longer conforming yourselves to your former lust. In other words, the person that you used to be before your conversion, before your baptism, should not be the person that you are today. There needs to be a change take place in your life from the person that you was, B.C., that's before Christ, and A.C., which is after Christ. That person needs to look different. That person needs to smell different. That person needs to look different. That person needs to act different from what he used to be. And so he says there in verse 14 that we are not to conform ourselves. To the former lust and so God wants us to be like him our daddy wants us to be like him in Ephesians chapter 4 go back a couple books to the book of Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4 in verse number 22 <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 "...that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which was created according to God, and here it is, in true righteousness and holiness." Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Paul says in the book of Ephesians that we are to put off again the former man that we used to be. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What good does it do to become a Christian if we're going to go right back into the old sinful ways that we came out of? If I'm a drunk, I'm going to get baptized and still be a drunk, what good did it do? If I'm going to be a person that is living a sinful life, why should I get baptized and then go right back to that old sinful life again? God expects us to be different. If we are really holy, if we are really to be like God, we cannot stay in sin, we can't even look at sin. In Romans chapter 12, I think you're probably familiar with this verse. Romans chapter 12, in verse 1 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed, that's the same thing that Peter said back in chapter 1, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul is encouraging us that we need to live a life that is holy, that is separated to God. A one that is free from sin and free from the the way that we used to live. Whenever I see the word transform, I always think about those toys, those transformers. Remember playing with those as kids or maybe your kids played with them? It might be a car, but you pull this, you turn this, you twist it, and pretty soon it becomes a robot. They call those transformers. And so that's the way God wants us to be. It was the same physical uh, attributes but they were changed into making something different and that's the way God wants us to be he wants to take that old man he wants to twist us and turn us and, and do all those things and make something new from us and so that leads me to my second point Christians are commanded to be holy God says be holy or I am holiness. And so you may ask, if holiness is supposed to be a fundamental essential part of my Christian life, then why am I not feeling like it? Why do we act? why do we feel defeated when it comes to us struggling with sin? And I think we oftentimes, as Christians, have that defeated attitude. Why should I even try? I'm going to mess it up anyway? Why should I even try? God is so much up here, I can never attain it. I can never get there, so why should I even try to become like God? He says, be holy because I'm holy.
1: Well, I think there's
0: three reasons or three problems that kind of lead us to this observation. Number one, our attitude towards sin is more self-centered than it is God-centered. We need to realize, and I don't know if you ever think about this or not, we need to realize that when we sin, it grieves the heart of God. It disappoints God when we sin against Him. Well, one of those, those words I hated to hear from my parents is that, Brent, I am so disappointed in you. I can't believe you did that. Man, that just broke my heart every time. And I can just almost hear that when I sin against God. Brent, I am so disappointed in you. You did the exact same thing last week, and you did it twice the week before. Why? Why? And so I think our attitude towards sin is more self-centered than it really is God-centered. God wants us to walk in obedience towards Him. God wants us to follow His will and not our will. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2. Is it hot in here or is it just hot in here? Okay, I'm going to turn it down. Thank you. I got your blessing. All right. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, Peter says this, Elect, that's who he was writing to, elet, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification. That's almost the same word as being holy, sanctified, of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Peter said, Listen, brothers and sisters. What we are to do, we are to be obedient to what God wants us to do, what He wants us to be. And so I think our attitude towards sin is not where it needs to be all the time. My second problem that I see with us is that we oftentimes misunderstand the phrase living by faith. We are told, and we do, we live by faith and not by sight. I have never seen God, I've never seen Jesus, I've never seen the apostles who wrote the majority of the New Testament, but I walk by faith, I don't walk by sight. But I think we oftentimes get this misconstrued that we sometimes have the attitude that, listen, I'm going to walk by faith, so I'm just going to kind of wing it as a Christian. I hate those words. I'm just going to wing it.
1: Some people does that when they teach
0: Bible school class. I'm just going to wing it. Some preachers preach that way. I think I'll just get up there in the pulpit and just kind of wing it this morning. That's not the way in life. It's it's going to work. But I think we as Christians sometimes have that attitude. I think I'm just going to wing it. And hopefully on Judgment Day, I'll do just enough right things that God will let me in. And man, that's a scary place to be, isn't it? That's a scary situation to find yourself in,
1: but we need to face the fact
0: that we have a personal responsibility for our walk of holiness. I think oftentimes we as Christians like to just be ignorant. If I don't know what the Bible says about a certain subject, then maybe God won't hold me to that standard. If I just never read the Bible, if I never pray, if I never do anything, then then maybe God will just... Well, it's not going to work that way, is it? Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. God once winked at ignorance, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Then the third problem that I see with us as Christians as a whole
1: is that we do not take sin
0: seriously enough. We do not take sin seriously enough. As I said before, just picture in your mind God saying, man, Christian, I'm disappointed in you. I have flat out told you in my scripture that you can't do that. It's wrong to do that. You should be doing this. I am disappointed in you. I don't think we oftentimes really think about sin and how serious of an of a, uh, offense it is against God. It's kind of like the frog in the pot deal, right? You take a, a big old pot of water and you boil it and you throw the frog in there. I've never done this. This is just hearsay. But you take a big old pot of water and you boil it and you throw a frog in there and the frog is going to jump out. But if you take a pot of water and you throw the frog in there and you slowly turn the heat up, he kind of gets used to that heat and then eventually he'll just die because he is just completely comfortable where he is. I think that's the way we are with the attitude of sin. We just kind of see it all around us. Sometimes we're a part of it. Sometimes we see it and then it's just kind of like, oh, well, it is what it is
1: but I don't think we take sin
0: serious enough.
1: Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 2
0: tells us that sin separates us from God. Let me go back there and read that for you. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 2. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2. Verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities or sin have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. God is not going to hear a person who claims to be a Christian if they have sin, unrepented sin, in their life, or they are participating in sin.
1: God says, "I'm going to turn my
0: face from you." I always pictured this, and I don't know if it's true or not. But when Jesus was hanging on the cross, there was a space of about three hours, I believe, in which it got dark. I've always pictured in my mind that that was God turning his face from his own son because his son had every sin that was ever committed placed upon him. Now whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's kind of the way I see it. God cannot stand sin. And so if we want to be pleasing to Him, if we want to be holy as He commands us to be holy, we need to get rid of whatever sin happens to be in our life. And that brings me to my third and final point this morning. Holiness is not an option. Holiness is not an option. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14 Hebrews chapter 11 is that great faith chapter, and so Hebrews chapter 12 is really a continuation of what chapter 11 is trying to impress upon us. So Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14, again, kind of a short verse, but listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, we are to pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one We'll see the Lord. We are to pursue peace. We are to pursue holiness because if we do not have that in our life, we will never, ever, ever, never, ever be able to be in the presence of the Almighty God. And so that should be enough there to say, man, I need to get my act together. Man, there are some things I can look back at my life I need to change, and I need to change it right now because I know without this, I can't see God. Did you ever think for a moment the kind of world it would be if there was no God in it? I mean, we live in a wicked, terrible world today, but yet God is still in control. But what would it look like to live in a place where God is not there,
1: where just anything
0: goes? I don't want to be a part of that. Without holiness, no one will ever see the Lord. So my question I thought of as I was writing this sermon, well, does my salvation depend on me being holy? Does my salvation depend, I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, if I'm a, if I'm a holy 5 right now, is that going to be good enough to get me to heaven? Or do I need to be somewhere around a holy 7, a holy 8? To get me to heaven, where do I? Where exactly do I need to be? Well, holiness, I do believe, is going to be, uh, or our salvation is going to depend on if we are holy or not. No, we don't have to be holy. We are not holy before our conversion, but after our conversion, we must be holy, because our holiness is based. Upon Jesus Christ. I think it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.
1: Let me go back there and see. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.
0: In verse number 7. Nope, it's 1 Corinthians 1, 2. 1 Corinthians 1, 2. Paul is the author of this book, the letter to Corinth. He says, to the church of God, in verse 2, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified, there's that word just like holy, to those who are holy in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. We are sanctified, we are holy, only in Christ Jesus. There's no other way. And so yes, our salvation, our ultimately getting to heaven and living with God for eternity is based on the fact that we need to be like our Father. Be ye holy, because I am holy. Where does that leave you today? Do you have sin that's in your life that you need to repent of? Maybe you're not doing things that God really wants you to do. Be holy because I'm holy.
1: God wants us to live with him for eternity. God doesn't want
0: anybody to perish. Peter tells us that. God doesn't want anybody to perish but all to come to repentance. And so that could be yours today. That gift can be yours. In Acts chapter 2, we see the very first sermon that was ever preached. It was on the day of Pentecost. Peter, who just 40, 50 days prior to that fact committed some of the biggest sins in his life, cursing and saying he never knew Jesus. But yet 50 days later, God used that same man to preach the very first sermon.
1: Did you ever think about that?
0: I tell you what, friend, God can use you. You may be cursing God today. You may be uh, sitting against him. But I tell you what, God can still use you. God can take a man like Paul that thought that it was going to be his duty to completely wipe the church off the face of the earth. But yet God still used him, didn't he? God told Paul, I'm going to use you to go to preach to the Gentiles. And Paul did exactly that. Jesus can use you today. God can use you today.